I know that you have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one takes away your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out of it. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give thanks for your word to the church in Philadelphia. We pray that we would inwardly digest uh, and show the love that they showed um, for the glory of your people here in this place. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, everyone. It's lovely to be with you. My name is Roland. It's the first time I've been... I think it is the first time I've preached at this service. So um, just like Simon, getting to know you, um, and it's lovely to be preaching on this passage. We've been working through the letters at the beginning of Revelation, and if before we were doing this series, I was asked, we'd like you to choose one of the letters to preach on. I might have chosen this one. Maybe this one or Ephesus. There are a couple of letters that really sort of stick out in my mind. I was actually quite pleased to be given this letter. But as I thought about it, I found it really, really difficult. And the reason for this is actually that we're preaching through and we're thinking about all of the seven letters in order. And if you've been to some of the other 6 p.m.s, you'll have known there's a sort of range in these letters. Some are, you have completely missed the mark in basically everything. There are some that are, yeah, you're doing okay, but you've really missed this. And then there are some that are doing all right, but even those ones, there's one major thing they've missed out on. So what's the fundamental problem here? What has this church missed out on? Strangely enough, this is the letter that sticks out among all of them. Not to say that this church is not without problem, but when we've heard such cutting um, letters written to the other churches, this one is a glowing account to them. This is a small church that actually seemed to be doing things right. 
And actually, for that reason, I found it actually harder to think about it. In some ways, it would have been far easier thinking about some of the cautionary tales that we've heard. Not cautionary tales, but if, say, to Ephesus, you know, you're doing okay, but you have forgotten your first love. Or what Simon, um, the church last week, you're doing okay, but you have fallen spiritually asleep. You know, there is a big thing that you can take away, that you can remind yourself. But we don't find that in the letter here. There is no, but you've forgotten your first love, but you've fallen asleep. So today's passage, we're going to have to think about a little bit differently. A bit of context about Philadelphia. Um, it was named after a person. It was a provincial town in Sardis. It's about 60 miles east of modern Izmir. And it was doing all right for itself until about 50 years before this letter was written. And back in AD 17, there was a major earthquake that hit the region and took out this city. Could have been the end of it. It was quite a small place, but it was quite key in where it was. It worked as a sort of staging point, point between places. It sort of is that to this day. And there were two reasons why it was rebuilt. The first is its connectivity. If you looked at where was a day's travel between various places, it was a useful point to have. And secondly, the people actually appealed to the Roman emperor when it got destroyed. And the Roman emperor said, I'm going to cut taxes. I'm going to let you completely rebuild. And they ended up with a really interesting way of thinking. They became one of the most Hellenistic places in the region. You might say they were, became the cosmopolitan place. They became the ways of the trendy thinking. And so this is the backdrop of the letter we have here. So when it says, you have little power, but I know your works. You have kept my word and you have not denied me. I'm like... That is amazing. When you know that actually this is a heavily modernized place, a place that would have been going against the grain, to hear that, you have little power, but I know your works. You have kept my word, and you have not denied me. I felt really challenged by that. What does that mean for us here in southwest Sheffield, in Ecclesall, Yes, we live in a diverse place. Yes, there are lots of new ways of thinking. We're not a small place. We're not an oppressed place, I don't think. So there doesn't seem to be this caution. It's very different from many of the other letters. Maybe instead, we have to use this as an inspiration I think it's important that this doesn't become a letter of a sort of pat, your, pat yourself on the back. You know, if we read this, this means we're probably doing all right. 
But I think this is a spur yourself on to greater things. I think it's quite telling that there are seven letters to the churches and only one of them is written like this. One in seven. means that it doesn't happen all that much, but it means that it is possible. The letter says that their faithfulness has meant that God has opened a door for them. It's this wonderful phrase that, you know, nothing can shut what God is allowing for them. And we don't know the specifics of what that is, but we know that they have listened to God, they have been faithful to God, and now God is saying, I am with you. I am listening to what you want to do, and there is favor on your congregation and on your life. They seem to have navigated um, uh, a time of persecution, possibly of false teaching as well. From the passage, it talks about the synagogue of Satan. And again, we don't have any conclusive information about what this group of Jews were teaching, but it seems that there was strong opposition to the church, but the church had remained faithful. They had known what God had said to them, and they said, we will remain faithful to him. One of my favorite lines in this was that it said that they had shown patient endurance in a time of trial. And I just love that, patient endurance. And I, it really resonated with me coming out of a time of pandemic, wouldn't that be wonderful if we were a congregation who showed patient endurance with all of the challenges that we face in our personal lives, in our family lives, that we would show godly character in patient endurance. In some ways, it's a sort of a funny combination, but it's... I think it's a combination of attributes for our age. It's showing sticking power and determination. And that's on the back of them knowing who God is, having that confidence, and then having that sticking power and having that determination to carry on. I was really encouraged by that. This letter is so different from so many others in terms of its takeaway but there are so many wonderful little attributes that we can aspire to. I also love the line in the passage, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The crown is the treasure that they're building up in heaven. They're making for themselves a royal priesthood. You find it in the book of Hebrews and you find it in Revelation as well things that are so much more valuable than we have on earth. Jesus talks about those who made storehouses for themselves on earth and to make storehouses for yourself in heaven as well. These great encouragements to them. The letter says hold on to them. Hold on to that which is priceless, a priceless gift that you are earning for yourselves. Build them up. 
you get a real sense that they are working on their spiritual practices. They are showing consistency in their lives. They're not allowing a single part of life to go, but God's not that interested in that corner of life. They seem to be these consistent people who have made sure that they have God at the beginning and at the end and in the middle and in all parts of life. They are the one of the seven churches who has managed to avoid the pitfalls that we see in the other churches. And they showed that they can be faithful even in a diverse place and even under persecution. And I think this is where there is something for us. God calls us to be faithful to him whether we're a smaller church, whether we're a larger church, whether we're oppressed or not, whether we live in a broadly Christian culture or we live in a culture that opposes Christianity. The important thing is consistency. It's listening to God and having God at the centre of all parts of life. It's sort of telling that only one of the seven churches had a letter like this but it is telling that one of them was able to. And that is what we should aspire to. We're going to move on in a few minutes' time and, as Simon said, have a set of conversations as a response to what it means to, as a church, be like that church in Philadelphia. What have we seen in this letter? What are the characters we have seen? They are a small but determined group of Christians in the early church. They haven't been swayed by newfangled ways of thinking around them. The Christian people had come under criticism, but they knew who God was, and they were consistent and remained faithful to God. And they showed patient endurance, a real skill, something that I want to pray into myself. What does it look like to have patient endurance as we rebuild after the pandemic? I want to be excited to be a church like that. What's amazing that one of the churches out of seven got it, it is possible. It's exciting. It is doable. But also, I don't want to kid myself. I don't want to kid myself to say, but we've already got there. We're we're doing really well. After all, only one of the seven churches managed to get this glowing report. But one of them did. So, with faithfulness, with patient endurance, I believe we can aspire to that crown of glory. And I'm going to invite Simon up now, and he's going to lead us in a time of discussion where we sort of tease out some more about that.